Hello, everybody. Welcome again to Deconstructing the Psyche. Hey, everyone. I, I am your host, Michael. I'm your co-host, uh, Eamon. Uh, we're trying to get rid of the pseudonyms. We're just going to go with our, our real names today. Just for now. Get rid of the... <laughs> Get rid of the nicknames or the aliases. We'll go by our real names this time. Yeah. How are you feeling today? I'm feeling great. Yeah. I'm really good. You're ready for a in-depth discussion about a psychological movie? Yeah, I'm quite looking forward to talking about uh, this movie. What movie is that? Uh, Shutter Island. Hmm. And before we start, how are you feeling today? I feel just dandy. <laughs> I love talking about movies, and I think I'll love talking about this movie in particular. It was a good one. Yeah, this movie Another, was really great. We keep saying that. We keep saying it's a good one. I Actually, think that's, that's probably a, a positive thing, that we're watching movies that we think are good. Yeah, no, I'm thinking this is a good movie that we chose this time. The next one's going to be great, too. Um, I would tune into the next one. There's one Don't that, get everybody's hopes up. I'll try not much. to. There's one that we probably won't watch. Um, the Siberian film. We won't mention that now. I'll, I'll talk. I'll debrief uh, Mike about that one later. Okay. <laughs> Siberian, huh? Yeah. Okay. Um, well, I don't know. What was your... I, had, I hadn't, hadn't watched this one for a while. What were your first impressions of the film? You know what? I want to be honest. It took me a while a couple of tries to watch this movie just because I've seen it once before mm. sort of know what the plot's going to be like and it sort of reminds me of that patient I, I feel like it's very uh, cliche in a way mm. the patient who was a detective that you've seen it in maybe another well I've seen in other maybe shows or other things like that the patient who's par- paranoid schizophrenic yeah right so for me it was like kind of cliche but mm. you know what when i got yeah, into the f- it was overused you've seen that person way too many times you mean many times that character right okay but the the diagnosis is actually something real and i thought the film really did a good job about breaking down the character and even yeah. maybe noting some um, ethical issues we'll probably go into later on yeah well really what what did you think about the movie um yeah, I mean, I think the thing you're talking about with the ethical issues it is a important part of this film. There's many different yeah. levels of the movie in terms of some of the questions it might be asking about society, uh, mm. questions it might be asking about ethics, like we we're saying, particularly in the mental health field. I think another big topic that I want to get into at some point is what maybe creates uh, schizophrenia or what creates madness. And I think that's one of the things they're looking at in this movie too is, is it society mm-hmm. or is it the person's mind? And oh. I think we need to get at that at some point. But yeah, there's a lot of deep, uh, uh, deep questions and themes that are going on obviously they also talk a lot about the time era that the film was made in in the 1950s and the threat of nuclear war and uh coming out of a world war and the impact of that on people yeah definitely there is a lot of different issues that it does address yeah i like the fact that you talked about the timeline 
and that was important as well. What stood out to me is um, the lobotomy, right? Yeah, so that was a big thing at that time and early mm -hmm. on in uh, mental health was doing some extreme and radical procedures to deal with mental disease. Uh, maybe where they, I think they talk about that at some point in the film of they're trying to turn people into zombies and make them where they're not really living anymore. Mm -hmm. And that seems like there was a lot of that kind of stuff going on early on in mental health, right? Yeah, that was the scary part about mental health um, during its genesis, really, mm -hmm. right? Um, the lobotomy would be cutting the frontal cortex from the rest of the brain, severing yeah. actually that and really rendering a person like a zombie. Yeah. Um, which, once we get later into the discussion, actually does happen. And mm -hmm. really, I remember the last line of the film and we'll talk about that later mm. on but i do like the last line of the film that was an interesting line right but yeah right. what is it let me let's you just talk go, about yeah, that let's now? just say the last line of the film right now <laughs> i guess <laughs> i don't want to okay. wait i want to i'd exciting. rather do it right okay. now so um, what is the what is the lot because that did st stand out to me right, when I heard correct it. me but it's sort of like would you rather die as yeah. a hero or as the villain something like that right i think i wrote it down Mm -hmm. which would be worse to live as a monster or die as a good man yeah and that's the end of the movie that's yeah. the last line but so then, obviously that has but that to me speaks about him actually breaking out of his sight of the um psychosis of his psychosis yeah yeah because at that point he was lucid and i think he actually made the decision to die as the monster rather than no, to this die. Is, to this die. Is really, I'm I'm actually kind of having some type of mind blowing experience by talking about this right now because yeah, maybe this was really what you were thinking, but did he? He was did, already lucid when he said that. That's he, what I'm saying. Okay, well, he wanted to die as the. So is that why hero. he said that? Yeah, that's why he said okay. that. Because I honestly, did not pick up on that when I watched the movie. <laughs> why would you die in a state of shame? Like he's making the active decision that he would rather live in his fantasy mm. and die or be lobotomized as in mm. the thought process of a hero. Because he because if he's lobotomized, he doesn't have to remember himself as a bad person. No, his whole thing was always about repression, even the alcoholism repressing. That's even, wild. Well, even repressing the thoughts of his wife being a that's wild someone with a psychiatric disorder. Yeah, like she was actually bad, setting the <clears throat> apartment on fire. Him having these vivid dreams about her being a bad person, right? Ashing or whatever. Mm. The kids walking around, mm. right? The kids passed away, and all the really what brought on his psychiatric break was really you know his own guilt it sounded like yeah he could have right and later in the film he says i could have saved them he's lucid but he's letting people know yeah. really what they want to hear which is a reality and he knows what the reality is mm -hmm. which is yeah i shot my wife but she killed our kids and i could have prevented that from mm. happening but my alcoholism right I don't think he mentions his alcoholism, but that's the way he, he ignored everything, right? Yeah, his it, biggest... I think it was alcoholism and workaholism. He was away from the family, which seems like that's... something that you would have to do if you were a, a federal marshal. Yeah. That's what they're doing. They're always traveling, but maybe he picked that job for a reason. We well, can get into even addiction then, mm -hmm. him being an addict and workaholism, yeah. alcoholism. 
this sort of a separation between the mind and the body sort of thing. Yeah. Where he's separating himself from reality. Mm. I think he was already doing that yeah. with alcoholism and, you know, the, yeah. work, the workaholism, separating himself from yeah. and detaching from reality, which the if you were a person who was actually there, the red flags <clears throat> would have been, she's not well. She's speaking in ways that don't, don't make any sense. Yeah. Later when you see her um he pulls the kids out of the lake mm-hmm. places them on the grass mm-hmm. and she says let's make them let's let's set them up in the in the kitchen yeah. and make them our living dolls yeah how how does that not register as something ill right for sure i imagine she would have had those kinds of discussions with him before when he would come home mm-hmm. but often he would ignore the fact right he moved them to the lake after the fire because well from what I understood, it's because he he wanted to start over, start new. Maybe. Right? But maybe also because maybe he thought that was the best thing to do for the family. Yeah. To get away from the city. Maybe he blamed the external factors yeah. for the mental illness and not really her. Yeah. I don't think he really wanted to see her or himself as being ill. So this is kind of the topic that you wanted to address, right? Was his act of repression or suppression i always get those two terms mixed up but we're kind of referring to him actively trying to block out certain memories and maybe that's what i think he's getting at with that line at the end of the film but maybe what you're also talking about is that his alcoholism and his workaholism was a way of doing that and maybe the film is commenting on that in a way that overworking and using substances is a way for people to s- s- sort of lobotomize themselves and mm-hmm. put themselves in a, That's a uh, ignorant state in some way. That's basically what he was doing. You're right. I mean, that's what he was doing. You know, lobot- to a certain degree, like ignoring reality. Yeah. Right. But he's actually actively choosing to now ignore reality again. He, for me, it feels like he is lucid until the very last point then he's like telling the psychiatrist even looks at him chuck yeah. right chuck I didn't, looks at him that was crazy though cuz i don't it's like when i watched the movie yeah before and right now i did not pick up on that i i picked up on i thought what was going on was that he had reverted back to his original state no. and that he asked he asked that question but that he was asking it from an unconscious uh viewpoint in that he said it but he didn't really know what the meaning of the statement was and then the doctor looks at him like is he awake or is he not uh but it Mm. seems like from what you're saying and i think this might be true is that he did know what was going on at that time and that he was choosing to be all the bottomized so that he could end up as a good man in the end yeah What would you do? <laughs> I mean, what I thought is a hero, a hero has to make his choice, right? Yeah. At the end of the day, when he shot his wife, that was the only thing he <clears throat> thought would justify, you know, how he felt that moment, you know, shooting her, ending her <clears throat> life. But I mean, obviously it's a crime, but he knew what he was doing. And I think it's, for him, his character, it was difficult to face that kind of reality, mm-hmm. you know, that she was ill and that she murdered the kids and he ended her life. But he, yeah, 
the thing is, it got to that extreme before he would have ended maybe not the relationship, but maybe had her admitted into the psychiatric hospital. It had to get to that extreme. And I think he blamed himself for that, that he then, out of guilt, was admitted into the psychiatric hospital. He had to punish himself for the crime that he committed. I think sometimes there is a rigidity for those who um, are in that type of field, a rigidity of thought, obviously because laws are black and white or one can interpret them as being black and white. Yeah. You know, running a red light yeah. sort of thing. It's illegal mm-hmm. versus running a green light. Now speeding, go too fast. Yeah. But there are sometimes reasons why we need to do certain things, why we would run a red light when they're just yeah. lights that are red, yeah. right? It has no real meaning. We still need to go, but we're obeying these laws because these laws are what we agree upon as being truth, mm. which I think... This movie talks about, you know, perception and reality, right? Sure. Um, Michael Foucault, a philosopher, wrote a book about this sort of thing. I think it was Madness and Civilization or something okay. to that effect. We yeah. talked about psychiatric illnesses as being sort of um, something that is man-made, right? Mm. It's you like fall- a sociological construct, sociologically like, constructed uh, aspect of experience. Right. It, we agree upon it, yeah. right? Uh, these symptoms are what you know people are diagnosed with yeah they get into i think the scene that sticks out to me in terms of this conversation is when leonardo dicaprio's character teddy teddy daniels when he goes to the cave right and he's searching for rachel solano he meets the doctor in the cave right supposed to be he's searching for his wife in some unconscious way right but he doesn't realize that he is and then he happens upon this person who said she's a former doctor and that they thought she was insane and then she starts going into this whole conversation about how you can be once you're labeled insane then anything that you say to get yourself out of that label is actually part of your insanity yeah and so i think part of what they're talking about in that scene and it's kind of messing with his head a little bit is so what is the who's the determiner for if you're insane or not is Hmm. it that you actually have these symptoms or that you've been labeled that way by maybe like society or culture or like we've been talking about and once they've determined that, that there's nothing you can really do, even if you are not insane at all. And so it's a really interesting conversation of what's, uh, you know, if a person was alone by themselves, who would be saying that they were insane? I don't know. Is it, is, is, would it actually be a thing then? Or is it based off of the society and the people that are making those determinations like you were talking about with people who make Um, and formulate diagnosis i think at some point people come together to agree on truth Mm -hmm. right to agree on truth and agree on terminology Mm -hmm. right and what truth means is that we agree upon what this is or what this looks like Mm -hmm. according to the science according to the data right then this is what we agree upon right most patients with this kind of Maybe let's say it's paranoid schizophrenic will exhibit 
paranoid thoughts and maybe delusions, right? Or hallucinations. Yeah. It seemed like he had the hallucinations. He was actually seeing people who, mm-hmm. um, who weren't there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the mm-hmm. woman in the cave was one of those hallucinations that he was seeing, right? She wasn't a real person. So we can say that according was to... Was it? No, she was. She was a real person. The nurse, the, that was the doctor. Yeah. She was a real doctor. She said that so, she was a former doctor, though. Was she a real person? Yeah, she's in the end of the movie when he's in the hospital bed and he's admitting to his past. She's in there. See, the problem with that part is the ethical issue, right? I think we were talking about earlier. The ethical part is pretending to be someone and for the patient. But But I do agree with what you're saying, though. They They do contribute to his paranoia, for sure, because I think like I was saying to you earlier before we started the podcast is if you were in a situation and there is you know a hundred plus people that are all in on a conspiracy per se uh against you yeah. you know like a hundred people that are in on a storyline that you have no knowledge of i'm pretty sure that would make you a little paranoid <laughs> it would make you a little on edge to because just because of their behaviors and that's what we're seeing throughout the movie is everybody's behaviors and the way that they're talking to him and the way that they're interacting with him is very strange and he's picking up on that so he actually has a good sense in that movie like there's something weird going on here like this is not normal there's there's something afoot and it makes sense that he would be doing that because there is something going on and he's not he's not privy to that information and so that's a there is some ethical issue going on there in that they could have been contributing to his paranoia or to his psychosis in some way by running this experiment yeah no i agree with that i mean that obviously it could have exacerbated the symptoms but going back to what i was talking about the delusions was he really interacting with his kid or was he just, ima- right, he's imagining his kid, right? Which kid? His daughter. He imagines his younger yeah, daughter. Yeah, she's not there. She's not she's there. Dead. Right. Yeah. But is, it, is that, could that be a part of just the fantasy? Because he's not literally talking to her. He's just seeing her, observing her. And yeah. his wife, too. He's not literally talking to her. They're I think at some point his, his wife does start talking to him and it, she's telling him to mm-hmm. do certain things, like, you have to find the truth and things like that, which I think it's, I think it's part of his unconscious mind that's trying to talk to him and get him out of whatever state he's been in. Because you gotta, I think you have to understand Andrew Letus, who is the real self of this character. That's, that's what's been stored away in his unconscious. Right. So the the person that he is on this island is Teddy, who I guess was in the war, but didn't have, I don't know if that, that character is supposed to have a wife or to have a family. He's a federal. Uh, I mean, Teddy, Teddy has military experience, right? Yeah, but I don't know if he had the children and the, and the wife and he's a federal marshal, but it's mm-hmm. a different person. And so Andrew Letus is his unconscious mind that's trying to come out and talk to him and and like expose the reality but Teddy is kind of trying to push that away and and keep it 
underground. No. Teddy is the Teddy is the unconscious one. No, Teddy is the Teddy is the Teddy false is, is the false yeah, self. Yeah, Teddy's the false self. Right? Yeah, but and that's Andrew not unconscious. Is... That's what he's. That's who he believes himself to be. Mm-hmm. Andrew, he doesn't believe himself to be Andrew Letus anymore. He's dissociated from Andrew Letus. Mm-hmm. That's a different person. It's not him. He, he, he remember he's searching for Andrew Letus throughout the movie. He doesn't believe that's him. He believes it's somebody else. That's his unconscious mind. No, I know that part. Um, I just get stuck with the fact that the fantasy of creating your wife and creating your daughter, mm. is that really schizophrenia? You know, or is that just him imagining these people, right? I mean, it's not schizophrenia in itself because even if you have a hallucination, that's just a symptom, right? Yeah. You have to have many symptoms to constitute schizophrenia. How long was he was there in the hospital for two years? At least, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's a complicated movie. No, it's a because it's a <laughs> it's a psychotic disorder, right? It's not, yeah. It's a psychotic disorder, but it's not like schizophrenia. He's not hearing people talking to him. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But he he doesn't he's not actually imagining people there. Chuck is actually a real person who's with yeah. him, but it's a psychiatrist pretending to be someone, yeah, pretending to be. That's not his fault but necessarily then, that he's believing in that guy to be that person. No, but it's sort of like he was introduced to a fiction. He he woke up, yeah, and he's introduced to some fiction, and even when he gets in off the boat or he's on the boat and he's throwing up in the beginning and he comes out. And he's like, who are you? He doesn't know who that guy is. But when and he's like, oh, I'm your part. I'm your new partner. Oh, when did they get rid of my old partner? But, so they introduce this fiction to him and, and immerse him into that story. But wouldn't that, so the point of the creating the fiction was to cause a psychotic break in itself, another break to the psychotic break. No, because that's not what they're doing. Well, what about the reality of when you're told, hey, the guy who you thought was your partner is really not your partner, but your psychiatrist, yeah. and he was pretending to be your partner. Uh, yeah, I think that... What would that cause, but I, not a break in reality, in so, his yeah. delusion? I understand what you're saying. I think that in this experiment, quote-unquote, that they're doing, the paranoia that we're referencing and the fact that these people are not who they say they are are secondary aspects of the experiment. They don't really care about that so much. So who the person who's behind this is the doctor, um, Ben Kingsley, mm-hmm. right? And so I think what he's trying to do with this ex- experiment is expose Teddy or Andrew Letus to elements of his life that he's repressed and try to have them resurface somehow. And so he's exposing him to names and ideas and images of the life that he's blocked out in his mind and trying to have him search for those images and those names and those ideas that he's like but you're talking about the last part right no this is the whole movie the whole movie is exposing him to these thoughts and ideas by what through the narrative so he's um he's looking for rachel solano right that's why he comes to the island yeah 
So it's like, you need to find this missing patient, Rachel Solano. Rachel Solano is his wife. You need to find Rachel Solano. You need to, what that means is you need to locate her in your mind because you've blocked her out. And then it becomes, who's Andrew Latis? I need to find Andrew Latis. That's, that's himself. So, he needs to find, he needs to find himself. He needs to locate in his mind, mm-hmm. Andrew Latis, because he blocked him out of his mind. <laughs> that's what they're doing. That's what the whole thing is about is trying to get his thought, unconscious mind to they were, bubble up somehow. Well, I thought they were letting him run his own narrative and they're just playing along with it, right? Letting no, him. I, I think they had a, a certain clues that were constructed and mm-hmm. then they're going to let him do it. And then they kind of shape it as it goes to make sure that it's going a certain way. But it's, it's like, it's a play. Yeah. And so everybody's in on the play and they're trying to guide him a certain way. And the lighthouse, which he goes to at the end, that was where he was supposed to go. That he was, was supposed grand, to go to the lighthouse. That was the grand the reveal of the thing. Yeah, but he's supposed to go to the lighthouse at the end. Yeah. They they mentioned the lighthouse at the beginning, and it's like this forbidden place that he's not supposed to go. And so the whole thing's leading there. It's like a maze that yeah. they constructed for him. And he had to go through all these twists and turns to get there. So it's a very elaborate narrative, obviously. I don't know how long that would take to plan. It's something ridiculous, but... Yeah, it's exhausting, but it's and I mean, you can see this throughout the movie, too, is that nearly all the characters, not only the patients, but the people. Yeah, yeah, they're all in on it, but they all you can look at if you look at their faces throughout the movie. Yeah, they're all kind of annoyed a little bit and they're they're not completely in on it. And they're people are like talking in the background. Yeah, because the doctor is doing some revolutionary type um, procedure to try something else out that isn't the lobotomy and isn't trying to make people zombies. And everybody's like, what the hell is this guy doing? They're all questioning it. And they're like, this is never going to work. And it didn't work. But that was, you know, he needed to try to do that because he thought it was important. I want to prevent him from getting the lobotomy, right? The board wanted yeah. to get him a lobotomy, but... It's sort of like years of therapy and like the span of whatever amount of time the film was, because that sort of thing you do yeah. in therapy, you explore the different yeah. passages and the twists and thir- turns. Yeah. But like the doctor being the mastermind or the puppeteer, you know, he's sort of manipulating where the patient is going. And then yes. he has the other assistant psychiatrist with him yeah. guiding the patient to where he needs to go prompting him in a way which is actually yeah. i think very effective yeah because you're guiding the person through their delusion right yeah and uh, right through the delusion into the, the different aspects yeah of you know their fantasy of what they're creating yeah. right hmm. by the end of the movie you know, when you, you mentioned that line that he says at the end, before that, he's talking to Mark Ruffalo's character, yeah. the other psychiatrist. And I think you can see that at least that character and Ben Kingsley's character, the main doctor, they're somewhat ethical, even though some of the stuff we're talking about is a little borderline, but they're ethical in the sense that 
they're giving this guy the choice of what he wants to do mm-hmm. and they're not forcing him they're not forcing anything on him and so when the psychiatrist goes to him on the steps and he says he kind of like asks him you know what do you what do you think or what do you want to do or what what's going on he's leaving it open to teddy at that point of you know of uh, uh, this is this I is your choice i didn't like that part I didn't like the part when he gives him the cigarette. Yeah. Because it's sort of the idea of giving him the cigarette is for the regression again. Because one of the things I ask is really, okay, after the psychotic break is done, right? It's complete. Like he's he's lucid again. Mm-hmm. Right. But you give him an item that triggers that would trigger him. And that item is so the, this is the idea of reality testing, right? You're yeah. testing reality against the fantasy, and at the end, they're like. That seems like you're placing a lot of a lot of emphasis on the doctor's role, though. The and doctor has a role, especially in. Is it more? Does he have more responsibility than the patient, though? Well, anyways, where I was going with that was this, right? Uh-huh. You give the patient an item that would trigger a regression, right? And this is an experiment, right? Sure. I feel like that will cause a regression. Going back to the old way of communicating with the patient, and I I know why he did it. He did it really to see whether the patient would regress or not. But he's giving them the opportunity of behaving the same way. Because he was that character with the patient. He's actually Chuck, mm-hmm. right? It, I think it would have been more appropriate, would maybe been Ken, Kinsley to talk mm-hmm. to the patient, mm-hmm. right? To check in with the patient and say, how are you doing? Rather than the other person who now he can regress again. Maybe. But at the end of it also would be, if he's having this delusion, why not, why not contradict the delusion and say, hey, it seems like you're thinking about that again. Can you tell me whether you're... You know, Andrew Letus, or are you Teddy? He's not actually asking that, right? He's not probing any further. He's just saying, okay, what do you, he's going along with the fantasy rather than contradicting the fantasy. But he's giving him the choice, though. I think that's, I mean, for me, I think that's, that's the important thing okay, in well, work is you're giving the person the choice of what the- do they want to do. It depends because this patient is in a psychiatric hospital. I, I understand. Do they ha- really have that choice at that point? I don't know. That's a good question. But like, what what does it mean for you as the doctor mm-hmm. to be making that choice for them? Are you going to be the one to tell them, you know, go one way or the other? Well, how is that more of a choice for them? Or how is that any better for them if the that you're is telling there, them? But if the patient is there for treatment, mm-hmm. what is the goal of treatment? The treatment is not about the choice. The treatment goal is to help the patient reduce the delusion or get rid of the delusion. Yeah. Then, then if that's the goal, why would then I say the patient can have a choice whether they believe yeah. in it or not? Yeah. But the doctor's role is not whether the patient can believe in it or not. I think the doctor still has to follow what the goal is. Well, there's the treatment a, goal. There's a goal, but at what cost? With that, with would testing the patient's reality have caused the patient's psychological pain? Mm. I don't think it would have. It would. It is difficult 
to look at yourself and say, I murdered my wife and I was a cause of her murdering my children. Mm -hmm. It is very painful, which is why he was avoiding it. That's why they created an elaborate scheme for him to get out of that. That is painful in itself. But to sit with him next to him on a stoop and say, hey, are you Andrew Leitas or are you you Teddy? I don't think it is that detrimental. It was actually far more detrimental for him to walk through the whole thing because Amen. you don't know how the patient would have reacted. He probably, if, if, if it was another kind of patient, right, he would, if the gun was loaded, he would have shot the doctor. And he, he asked, yeah. that's when the, I guess, yeah, the hallucination did actually happen because he imagined himself yeah. shooting the doctor and he imagined the blood coming out of the fake gun, right? Yeah. I think it would have been less detrimental or violent for for the doctor when he was sitting with him at the stoop, in the stoop at the end, to say, "Hey, are you Letus or are you Andrew? I mean, are you Teddy or are you, are you Andrew?" At that point, I don't think that would have been that painful. I think it would have been just a nudge towards reality. Yeah, I, I don't think I'm disputing the pain of it, though. I'm dis. I, what I'm arguing is. The choice, but you were asking whether you know you should allow the patient to have the choice of choosing reality or fantasy, which I think it's fine. Yeah. But as the doctor, and you're in a psychiatric hospital, and the goal was to get the patient to break out of the psychosis. They did though. That's what did. I. So that's what I'm saying is they went through that whole process yeah. and they broke him out of the psychosis, yeah, they did. and they said that they had done that before. Yeah. They're like, this isn't the first time that this has happened. And so they've led him that way before and they've gotten him to that point already. Mm. But at a certain point, it's like, you have to choose which way you're going to go. We can't do this for you anymore. And I think that's, this is, I think that's very true, not only in like situations like this, but Mm -hmm. with any patient of at a certain point, a person has to do it on their own and it's not up to the therapist or the doctor anymore. It's up to the person and they have to make that choice of, am I going to live in reality or not? And so the, and the, so the reason I think I'm like harping on this so much is because I think getting back to what we were talking about earlier about soci the sociological aspect of it Mm -hmm. and the psychosis or whatever being a construction in some way, that's a sociological uh, point of view. I think the other one is if you're coming from the psychological point of view and psychological in the sense that it's person centered and it's based on the person and who they are. Oh my God. Rogerian. (laughs) <laughs> Let me finish, because I think this is actually what the doctor, Ben Kingsley, is talking about in terms of where he wanted to go with therapy, is that it was, he's talking about person-centered therapy. I think that's what he's doing. But my, but what I'm talking about is, if you're taking this dichotomy between a sociological perspective and a psychological perspective of, it's about the person, and it's about their choice, and it's about their own motivations and decisions in life i think what they're doing at the end not only with the doctors but in the movie what they're trying to state about what their what the movie's belief is is that ultimately 
it's the person's choice. It's not the society's choice. It's not the the construct. It's the individual that has to make the choice of how they're going to live their life and what, how they're going to live, like what type of life they're going to choose. And that's not based off society. It's based off the person. That's what I think they're trying to argue in this movie somewhat. Yeah. I think that's, that's great that I'm, I'm interested in your perspective on that. Like, what do you think? Do you think in your own personal opinion, Mm -hmm. do you think it's ultimately the patient's choice and not just patient? I'm talking about every person because this is not just a question about mental health. This is a question about your life. Ultimately, is it the, is it the environment that you live in that determines things or is it you it depends on the kind of choice because people can, if we're talking about the movie... Don't and get out. Don't try to get out of this question. I'm not trying to get out of it because <laughs> if we're talking about the movie... No, I'm not. I'm talking about your personal opinion the, on this. Or, or the greater the greater choice in people in society. Because people can make choices in society that affect other people. And that would be something I would disagree with, right? Okay. You make a choice that would affect your, someone's sort of anger or impulsive behavior can't be controlled because of you know whatever is going on mentally then i would disagree that they shouldn't have a choice if it's going to affect the rest of society for a person like in the film right where he's choosing then if we say he's lucid at the end because of the last line which seems like he is right then i would say you know it becomes his choice to become lobotomized because that's that would be the ultimate punishment for yeah. what he has yeah. it was first that you know i would i will have the delusion now this is what i am i think at some point he understands he's a word he understands that things are happening that the next step to this would be that they're making it very clear if he doesn't come out of this he would become lobotomized and he's saying it's better to die this way than the other right that and that becomes his own personal That's choice personal of how choice. he wants to live. It's sort of a person who wants to end their lives in a way. But we we say when a person is healthy, you shouldn't end your life. You should live. And they say people who are healthy, who you know want to end their lives, end up regretting it if they get closer to to you know ending or completing, right? Mm-hmm. It's sort of the idea that you know there are actually things to live for, right? Yeah. Um, but that, even that line right there, there are things to live for. That's a, that's a, a, I don't know, truism is the right word, but that's something that you can say to anybody, but that doesn't mean that each individual person believes that to be true. Each like person, you can, you can try to convince a person of that as much as you want, but ultimately it's each individual's choice of whether they think that there's life to be lived or there's things to live for. I think we go back to the idea of reality testing because when it comes down to it, a person gets closer to that sort of fate and yeah. then you test the reality of what it actually means to be gone, right? What it actually means not to be alive anymore or to have, you know, your faculties in place. He, however probably wouldn't come to that understanding because when his executive function is taken from him, he won't come to that understanding of, okay, where am I? Who am I? Because he's no longer going to be aware of it, which I think he was already doing when he was drinking the alcohol, becoming distant from reality. Which are all personal choices as well. Uh, Alcoholism, in terms of alcoholism, yeah, it starts off as that way, but it can become sort of like an addiction, right? Yeah. And workaholism, same thing, an addiction to 
leaving what reality is, right? It is a personal choice in the beginning, but I think it does become an addiction towards the end, right? It can, yeah. Um, as far as other things that are personal choices, that causing harm against people, causing harm against oneself, um, those are personal choices and they can actually affect people in society when they do. Yeah. Then I think that's not just a personal choice. It becomes uh, a choice that affects others. Yeah. And I think that's when I would disagree with that. You know, mm. as far as the ethical guidelines of the doctor, whatever the ethics are for a psychiatrist, like do no harm, this taking care of the patient, do the best you can and take care of the patient. Right. That mm. sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's what he was doing. Ultimately. Let, letting the patient make his own choice about whether to become lobotomized or not. Yeah. The only thing I would say, but he's, he's also, he he was also that that doctor was the last safeguard between Teddy and being lobotomized much earlier than he was. He was trying to stop that from happening. Everybody else in that psych ward wanted him out and zombified a long time ago. He was one of the only people, including the other psychiatrists, that believe maybe there was another option i think maybe with a patient like that because one can write off if the psychotic break was done right if he's actually lucid and it's happened twice already right then that could be managed with medication i think at that point and there was actual medication during that time they were taking it he was taking medication yeah though yeah um that patient would have been more appropriate than for a prison than for a lobotomy given that he came out of that right but for me, what stood out for me was actually joining the patient in the delusion without staying in his own reality, saying, I'm actually your psychiatrist. I'm not going to join you and convince you that I'm still Chuck anymore. That to me was something I I, I personally wouldn't play into anymore yeah. because that was they were no longer calling for him to role play at the end. It was actually done. The role play was done. So why is now this the psychiatrist sticking with the script of the role play? I think that was inappropriate. You mean when they were talking on the steps outside? Yeah. He shouldn't have. I I mean, I think it's going back to what I'm saying is that they were leaving it up to him. And I I don't see why leaving it up to him in that instance is so wrong, especially based off of what we were talking about and the idea that you're saying that Teddy was lucid think it sets sort of this idea or this precedence of what well, if another patient was a want to face reality let's lobotomize them rather than because that's their choice that's their choice but i don't think they should use medical science for that choice I mean, they no longer do lobotomies yeah. but i don't i don't think it was appropriate but don't moment. people because um end their life through uh medical purposes or medical devices as well i think in some countries it's still illegal right some yeah yeah to really you know doctor is a suicide but that's another thing it's like so isn't that the person's choice to do that if they want to do it or not it is their choice i don't disagree with that being their choice that's the patient's choice as far as the doctor's concerned right i i would think that you wouldn't play into the delusion and then that at that point the doctor is trying to do what they think the what the patient feels is best that's when we go into 
the doctor has so much empathy without sticking into the reality of the situation, which is a reality that the patient would well, not what be. is reality? Huh? What is reality? The reality of the situation is that the patient got... The reality of the situation is that the doctor should no longer play into the delusion or the role play because that was already completed. Mm-hmm. The patient came out of the delusion, really explained to them what was actually happening. He then would be more appropriate for maybe a prison because of the violence that he was exhibiting in the psychiatric ward, which was um, not able to contain someone like him who's actually violent. Yeah. Places that can contain patients with that kind of violent behavior would be a prison because those are where, you know, ex maybe military men who've committed crimes would go, right? I mean, and then patients who possibly have some PTSD, which I think would be more appropriate for a person like him. You could say that, but it could also be more dangerous for him to be in a prison because he wouldn't be able to maybe protect himself. I think he would if he's able to harm the rest of the people with his military background and blowing up a car. I think he can protect himself. Well, that's and just that's it. just chaos, though. If he doesn't real, if he doesn't, if he's not aware of what's going on he, fully well, all the time, then maybe he's not able to. Maybe it'd be easy for a gang of prisoners to attack him in the prison. Prisoners get attacked all the time. Yeah, not that's just what I'm saying. Maybe that's not a safe him. place for him. Possibly wouldn't be, but that would be saying that it's not a safe place for any other prisoner. I'm saying that he came out of the delusion. That's what I believe at the end of the film. Yeah, I know. And what I'm also saying is that the psychiatrist at the end of the film should not have played into it because the role play was already completed, right? What would have happened if really what if they would have want gotten what they wanted is he would have been transferred to a prison, and they should have downgraded him from the delusion that he had but what if a person wants to continue living in a fantasy or who are we to say that that's not okay i'm not saying it's not okay or okay but at that point given the evidence of what Uh we saw Uh that i i personally would have downgraded him and sent him because that that would have saved his life whether his at least his life in terms of being i don't think that was an option in this movie though yeah i'm just because that that seems like you're getting into this is like a real thing and i'm saying within the constraints of this movie yeah why is that a bad thing for a person to you to allow a person to live in their fantasy don't we do that all the time because you there's a certain amount of reality that people are willing to accept or not accept right. or to deal with or ignore or not ignore. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that if a person's not willing to accept certain things, there's nothing I can do about that. Then there's only so much that I can do to help a person to cool. see certain parts of reality. And if they, if they want to continue that way, that's their choice. It is their choice. That is their choice. And that's what I'm saying with this whole but thing that, at the end is, is their, it's, their it's their choice. Yeah, it is their choice. But just because it's their choice doesn't mean that one should also play into the delusion of the choice. He Because we're saying he's making the active choice now mm-hmm. to play into the delusion himself. Yeah, He's actively wanting to live in the fantasy. It's no longer one where he can or can choose whether or not. Right. Before it was like, I couldn't choose this is my reality it's not a choice it is now what it's now an accepted form of reality 
from what you're saying, now it's a choice because now we're saying he came out of it, he can choose whether or not to live in the fantasy or not. Yeah. Right? So to me, when we say that it's a choice, then he can choose to live in the other way or not. Yeah. And then that's when I say I can downgrade him because he's choosing one way of living or the other. Yeah. Rather than going into a full lobotomy, choosing to really distance himself from reality, which is what he's already doing and playing into his pathology still. But I... I, does that make sense? I, yeah, it does. I'm kind of, I kind of feel like you, that what you're saying though about him playing into the delusion, I don't think he played doctors. into the delusion at that. Cause we're talking about the very last scene still, right? Yeah. Well, the doctors are playing into the pathology that he's already exhibited in the beginning of the film. I don't think, I don't think he plays into the delusion very much in that. No. You, you say, cause he gives him a cigarette. Yeah. But what else does he say to him? What does he say? He says something like, "Are you? What do you? What do you want to do? Or what? What's next?" Mm-hmm. And what does he say? And then Teddy is the one that goes into the. Then he starts talking about the fantasy. He's he goes back to. And does he not Teddy? Res- does he not respond as Chuck? <sighs> he says something. He he does use the term like boss. Like, what do you want to do, boss? So he responds as Chuck. Yes or no? I don't know. Well, do we know if the psychiatrist used to call him boss before? He responds to him as Chuck because that's the role that he did play for him during, you know, the role play. What if he was calling him boss before they did this role play? If he, Maybe uh, that was how he... Accept, what would, if he interacted like that with him all the time? I would accept what you're saying. Yeah. But he sat down with him Uh gave him a cigarette Uh and spoke to him what if they were doing that before though what if that was their the way that that those two interacted then that would be a cause of an ethical concern because how can a doctor interact with the patient as if they're chums they're not chums i mean some patients might or some doctors might do that yeah some doctors might but you don't interact with the patient as a chum especially a patient who has a psychiatric illness in that way Unless you want to gain, you know, their trust sort of thing. That's Isn't great. that what you're doing? You're, you're trying to build trust. rapport. But we're going back and we watch the scene again. But to me, it feels like he's playing into the delusion again of, okay, boss. Yeah. yeah. And I think he says something else that further, you know, makes me feel like, okay, he's still role playing with this guy. Mm. It's questionable. Yeah. I mean, I think this is a great conversation, though, obviously, because we're t- we spent probably 45 minutes focusing on this last scene and what the significance of it and what it means. Yeah. So there's obvi- they obviously did something right. Yeah, I think so. Correct? I, mean, I agree with that. <laughs> I mean, it seems like it because if there is that much, there's so much ambiguity mm-hmm. in that last scene, obviously, because I, I didn't even know... I didn't even get that part about that Teddy could have been lucid at that point and was making that decision until you said it at the beginning of this podcast. But not only with that, but like we were talking about the interaction with the psychiatrist, kind of everything that goes on in maybe a two minute scene, there's so much ambiguity involved in it. And then the line that he says too, that is a great, piece of film to kind of dissect and go over and talk about what are the implications of it yeah that's a that yeah that scene that line stood out to me the most that um when he goes to the lake and sees his wife and his kids are drowning like 
I didn't like I didn't like his acting, th- yeah. like maybe throughout the film. But that scene mm. was one that just struck me the most. Mm. That scene when he's picking the kids off of the lake, his wife and the line that she says, "We'll make them our living dolls." Yeah, and he's just crying, destroyed. Yeah, that is like the. F- Fine piece of fucking acting. Yeah, that shit was like hitting me. I'm like, this is fucking nuts. Mm. And he shoots out when he shot her. I wasn't expecting it. I seen this movie a long time ago, and I wasn't expecting. It. I freaking jumped. Yeah, I'm like, fuck. Yeah, that was a powerful scene. Yeah. I mean, no wonder. No wonder he would want to live in a fantasy. For sure. Not want to live in reality, given. Just the experience of losing yeah. your kids, accepting the reality of that. This person that you love, who says they love you, is literally saying they love you, drowns your children, mm. and then wants to make them into dolls. And then she says, free me. As if she knows there's something wrong with her. But that's what he he was doing too, right? He wanted to, when he ends up becoming psychotic, yeah. he wants to be freed. He, he wants, wants to, to be, be freed, freed of his of the pain and the suffering that he's going through because of whatever events that have taken place in his life. And he wants to get up, get out of it. Things he won't do it. He has to have them lobotomize him. That's how he needs to be punished. I think given his background, given who who he is as a marshal, he feels that he needs to be the one who's punished. So that's why I think he would accept, you know what? This is the punishment for the crime of what I committed. I should be lobotomized and not live the life of a criminal of well murder. yeah and ultimately i would say that he didn't want to he couldn't live with himself no. and that's what, what he's getting in that final line is the the person that he was and the life that he lived he could not bear it and he could not tolerate it no. and that was what the dissociation was about that's what the creation of this other self was about yeah. And that's what this whole movie is about of a person trying to escape themselves and get away from their, whoever they truly are. And that was too terrible for him to do. And, uh, maybe a lobotomy was the better option in the end. I thought this was really interesting because I think, uh, this conversation kind of shows our contrasting styles as, clinicians for sure and how we approach <laughs> things but i think that's that's good i don't i would i don't think if i had this conversation with somebody who was uh my style it would have been as interesting because we would have been agreeing on everything <laughs> whereas you and me were kind of uh, opposite sides but that's that makes for a good conversation i would say i would say yeah i mean we have moments where we agree yeah sometimes it's good to disagree yeah, that's yeah, how yeah. we have discourse yeah Pulp Fiction, we agreed more, I think. (laughs) I think that was good. I uh, appreciate the back and forth. And yeah, I guess we'll keep doing this. Deconstructing the Psyche. This is Michael. This is Eamon. And hopefully we'll see you guys again next week. Take care. Bye. Bye.